You're listening to The Hyphenated Woman with Camille Veronica, a podcast celebrating the multiple stories of women who shape the world and make it a better place by the various hats and roles they wear. Thank you for joining me on this journey. I look forward to sharing with you. Let's take a moment to celebrate Ida B. Wells, educator, journalist, anti-lynching crusader, woman suffragist, civil rights activist, and a founding member of the NAACP. Ida B. Wells, a historical hyphenated woman. She was born in Holly Springs, Mississippi in 1862. And at the time of her birth, both of her parents were slaves. Her father was a carpenter, mother a cook, and um, they were freed by the Emancipation Proclamation in 1863. They promoted education and thought it was important for their children to learn and contribute to society. She was the oldest of eight children. And unfortunately, in 1878, her parents, both of her parents, died from a yellow fever epidemic and also claimed the life of her 10-month-old brother. In order to support her siblings, she um, wanted to keep them out of foster care because that was kind of the alternative. She drops out of school and becomes a teacher in a rural um, black elementary school. She became uh, famous for an incident that took place uh, when she was on a train and had purchased a first class seat. And at that time, the seating, you were allowed to choose your seat, um, but was told to sit in the smoking car and she refused to do it. And later she sued the railroad for illegal racial segregation. Ironically, the the railroad then turns around and takes her to court, and she ends up um, having to not only pay court fees, but uh, the settlement that she received, she also had to turn that back in as well. While she was fighting her case, um, her lawyer was being paid off, and so it made uh, her fight for justice even more difficult, and eventually she was able to get the lawyer that did help her win the settlement. She began writing for uh, the newspaper or for a, for a newspaper in 1893. And a few years later, she became co-owner and editor for the Free Speech and Headlight. Headlight. Um, now, she was in Memphis, Tennessee at this point, And she would write uh, articles about anti-segregation and race equality. A pivotal Uh, event that took place and really defined her fight for justice was when three of her friends uh, who were all co-owners of a grocery store, they were upstanding individuals in the community, uh, had their store invaded and they shot and injured the white invaders in self-defense. The three co-owners were then arrested and jailed and a lynch mob came in and dragged these men out of jail, took them to a remote place, killed them, and left them. In response, Wells wrote an article in the Free Speech and Headlight urging all black readers to leave Memphis, stating that if the place they lived 
was not able to protect them and, and look out for them, then there was no reason to continue living in a place such as that. Especially when you looked at the quality of these men who, as I said before, they were upstanding citizens uh, and had no record of violence or criminal activity before. So she not only uh, recommended that people leave Memphis, but that they move to uh, Oklahoma and start a new life there. Soon later that month, that after she wrote that article, um, people in retaliation, she had traveled north to, to speak. And in retaliation for the article she wrote, they then destroyed her, um, her offices. And they also destroyed the printing press as well, they said. She identified that this really had a lot to do with uh, economic situations. That grocery store that, the, that the, her friends owned was not too far, as some, some sightings say, directly across, but it wasn't too far from a white-owned store. And their business was pulling away from the white business. Not only was she uh, was her place um, burned and destroyed, but a price was pla- placed on her head, and so she did not return to Memphis, Memphis, but instead um, traveled north. She wrote a, a, a piece called the not a piece; it was a book called "A Red Record," and this was in 1892. Um, examining lynchings in America. And she literally went through and naming people who were lynched and the reasons for lynching. And as you read through it, you see that some of those reasons were so arbitrary, but that was what was justified. It was allowed. Uh, And one of the things I love about her is that she stated that she used the records of whites, um, whether it be government or, or, or Uh, other entities to gather her research so that when the time came for someone to dispute, she stood on the grounds that these were their records. This wasn't, you know, something that she made up. She eventually married and um, had children and in that uh, still kept on her fight for um, equality, for racial justice, uh, she traveled to to Great Britain several times to speak on the situation with uh, racial tension in America and inequality. Um, and in that, uh, she just she called things as they were and said that you know sometimes the pictures that are being painted in America aren't quite true. You know those are her exact words, but a paraphrase of some sort. In uh, 1896, she formed the National Association of Colored Women, and she also started um, the All Black Alpha Suffrage Club, which was literally a women's movement club for black women because, of course, blacks were often um, put on the perimeter. And later on, um, she takes part in the National Associate, uh, sorry, the National Americans, American Women's Suffrage Association. 
their protest march. And at the time they were demanding that then President Woodrow Wilson would acknowledge the goals and of the suffrage movement. And she was told that she could not march with her delegation. And so at first she stepped out and just refused to participate. And then in a bold move, as the parade was going on, she stepped right into step with the group. Now there's some states, um, sites that said she stepped in right in between two males who were supporting this movement. Either way, she was there. She also was a founder of the um, NAACP and later on, um, you know, removed herself from it because she felt as if they did not have an agenda that moved um, things forward. In 1928, uh, she wrote her autobiography, that she began to write her autobiography, which is called Crusade for Justice. Uh, she also created the first African-American kindergarten in her community. And um, in 1930, she ran for Illinois State Senate. Unfortunately, she did not win. In uh, March of 1931, uh, she died before she was able to finish her autobiography. And she was in Chicago, and she was age 68. She left behind a great legacy, um, not only in her family, but in our community as she championed the cause for social rights, social, sorry, excuse me, civil rights and social justice, uh, as well as uh, bringing to the forefront the need to consider and to change laws that did not allow women to function uh, as full citizens. Eventually, her, her autobiography was published and beautifully by her daughter, Alfreda Duster, in 1970. I salute and celebrate this hyphenated, historical hyphenated woman, Ida B. Wells. And I encourage you to take time to read her uh, autobiography, Crusader of Justice. Check her out on the, on the web and find out more about her and be inspired. I want to share with you a few thoughts on how to harness your hyphenated woman power. I hope these things will help you to stay focused on those things that you're called to do. Number one, take responsibility of your words, your thoughts, and your actions. When we take responsibility for our words, our thoughts, and our actions, we, ha we harness a greater level of energy that allows us to stay focused to maintain balance, and to be more intentional. When we think first, when we are thoughtful, when we are mindful, we have the opportunity then to share that with someone else. And it also works the opposite way in terms of taking responsibility for the things we mess up on, the things that get out of control. When we lose focus, 
We take responsibility. We no longer blame anyone. And as much as I love conspiracy theories and saying that the man did it, I know deep down inside there's some things that started with me. So take responsibility of your words, your thoughts, and your actions. Number two, focus on what you can change. That's big. Focus on what you can change. And again, your energy then becomes more aligned with what you are concerned about, what you care about. When you spend time worrying about stuff that you can't change, you're wasting time. My grandmother always used to say, time and tide wait for no man. Growing up, I didn't always understand what that meant. It wasn't until I got much older that I got it. Hmm. If we are focusing on stuff that we can't change, we can't get that time back again. The tide will come in and it'll go out. It's not going to wait for you to catch up. It's not going to wait for you to decide, oh, wait, maybe my focus is in the wrong place. However, when you know what you need to be focused on and you spend your energy on that, those things that you can change, that which you have the ability, the power just begins to build even greater. Number three, let go. Let go. Now underneath that, let go of the need to control, fix, and or change others as well as situations. Now this one right here might be an amen or an ouch. You know which one you need to say. Personally, it's both for me. I agree with it and it's also an ouch reminder because I know myself and I know that I have a need to control things and sometimes people. Some of us are fixers. Some of us like to change things around to our benefit. Either way, let go. Leave it behind. Don't even get involved with it because again, when you are controlling others or trying to fix or change situations, you're wasting time because that's not where your energy needs to be. We are powerful creations of God, higher being, universal, spirit, however you see it, but we're powerful. And that power works when we're focused on what we need to be doing, what we want to do, what we desire to do. Gossipers won't come to somebody who doesn't gossip. If you take up, take out the time you might have to talk about somebody, spill the tea with someone, you're not going to find that kind of energy with people who know you don't gossip. It's that simple. If you have a passion for the environment and people around you are like, what's she doing all that recycling for? Why is she worried about that? Don't worry about them. Do what you feel you're called to do and help educate those who want to know more about it. Learn more about it yourself. This is all a part of our power and no matter what goes on around us, we don't have to be defined by past events. We don't have to be defined by obstacles. We don't have to be defined by things that are uncomfortable. They are part of the journey and they help us grow. They can if we choose to. 
but they don't have to define where we are and where we will be later on. I always like to say that my current situation doesn't define my final destination. I don't know if somebody else has said that before me or not, but I like to remind myself of that. We have power. We have the ability to do great things. And if you're already doing great things, you have the power and the ability to do greater things. Don't get sidelined or sidetracked by what seems like unsurmountable odds, because we know we are people who have overcome several times over and over again. And everyone who's listening to this podcast, you've made it through something. You've passed some test or trial. I'd love to hear what those are. And by the way, you're welcome to share, send an email or drop a a note uh, on the podcast. Either way, we all have some kind of victory that we've managed to get through because of some kind of circumstance that we did not see or we did not plan or we were born into. I invite you to harness your hyphenated woman power. Take responsibility of your words and actions. Focus on what you can change and let go. Let go of the need to control, fix, or change others and situations. We have an opportunity to harness our power and to move forward in great ways. Oftentimes we get distracted. Obstacles are those frightful things we see when we take our eyes off our goals. I offer this affirmation to help you remind yourself when you get in those spots where maybe your eyes are off the goal or things seem unsurmountable. I turn obstacles into opportunities. Say that. I turn obstacles into opportunities. I turn obstacles into opportunities. We have a choice each and every day to get sidetracked by the things around us or to keep focusing on the things that we know we're called to do. I thank you for listening. For taking time to listen to the Hyphenated Woman podcast. Hopefully you found something inspiring, something encouraging, or even something to celebrate. I appreciate you and the time that you've taken to listen. Feel free to comment, leave a message. I'd love to hear what you're thinking. You are invited back to listen. And please, Feel free to tell others as well. We're in this journey together. Now go ahead and rock the world this week.